0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Start Somewhere for Mary Claire with me, Sarah Vaughan. And this week, I am joined from down under by the one and only James Bartle, who is the founder and CEO of Outland Denim. Hi, James. Good evening.
1: Uh, hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so great. You could make it, really. I mean, what I find what you're doing so inspiring and as you as know, you, you already know, I'm very passionate about kind of ending trafficking. Human trafficking is, is like the scourge of this planet. And it's something like the third biggest hidden industry. And I think what you're doing is, is absolutely uh, amazing. So, James, as you know, oh, we will start you. this podcast with asking someone, you know, our guests, you know, how did you get started in life? Where did you grow up? Uh, you, know, how, you know, where did the early activists come from?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I had pretty uh, an amazing upbringing, really. I, um, I live here in Australia, and my parents moved my family and I out into the middle of Queensland, so right out into central Queensland, so toward the centre of Australia. So it was um, the outback, and we was surrounded by sheep and cattle stations, and that's where I did most of my growing up, um, although my actual family are, uh, are all from the area that we're actually based in now, on Tambury Mountain in the Gold Coast hinterland. Um, I spent all this time out there in this rural area. And that rural environment, I think, really set the stage for, I guess, my love for nature and, um, um, and people. Um, my parents were pastors of a church. And so I, I was literally every second week, somebody was coming in to take my bed. You know, I had to move out to sleep on the couch. And, you know, I was just raised to see um, my mum and dad really just looking for the needs within the community and, and looking for a way to, to help people. You know, I saw them genuinely loving on people my whole life and i guess that exposed me to the realities of the world um you know the good and the bad um yeah. but but it gave me i guess uh, instilled this desire in me to want to be a part of something that was was greater than maybe just um working for myself and um i think that that's the foundation but you know i my dream was really to be a cowboy um that's what i wanted to be i wanted to be, <laughs> like you explained you spent spent some time at a cattle station and I, and i absolutely could have pictured myself being that guy out of the cattle station for the rest of my life, riding a horse around uh, in denim jeans. So um, I think that there's lots of moments within my childhood that have really led to this point uh, in, a, in my life now.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I was just telling James that one of the highlights of my life was, was actually going um, to a, a cattle station and kind of just off the, probably near, near where your parents were actually. And because, uh, you know, I love horses and I, and I love, I love nature, and that was extraordinary. And we ended up also, um, I think, herding some camels, wild camels as well, which was extraordinary, oh, wow. which, which was just yeah, it was an incredible experience. Although there were rather too many snakes for my liking, I have to <laughs> say.
1: <laughs> There's a few snakes around. Yes, we even get them at, at my house. It's a pretty regular occurrence up here.
0: <laughs> and so so there you are i mean like you're in the middle of the outback james <laughs> i mean like you know, yes you know there's a love of denim but i mean you've ended up starting a kind of fashion business so i mean kind of what you know what took you from the kind of cowboy to, to 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 building the fashion empire
1: uh well i mean it was a it was a pretty unique path to it i think and one that was very unconventional and. Um, unexpected as well. It was really started by going to the movies with my wife and just and seeing the Liam Neeson film taken. And although a fictional film, um, it really moved me. It was very confronting. I just couldn't believe that that human trafficking was a real thing that existed. And so for me, it was, it was a, I guess, a rude realization based off of the titles at the end of the movie, based off of um, these events still happening around the world. And remember leaving and, and saying to my wife that I wanted to start some kind of vigilante and go out there and eradicate these horrible kinds of people from the face of the planet. And she was very quick to remind me that uh, Liam Neeson had skills that I didn't and we needed to look for a different <laughs> different way to address it. But a few years later, I had the opportunity to see it firsthand. And, you know, it was a, it was a, a moment that changed my life. Yeah, it,
0: it, it's quite extraordinary. I think I know a lot of the listeners um, know, I, you know I worked on the... Um, Stop sex trafficking of, of of children and young people campaign when I was at the body shop, and I mean that kind of rocked my whole life and the foundations of my life. I had no idea that it was so widespread, and I think you know it's something that you know we all kind of think is is over there. It happens over there. It doesn't happen in your kind of like city town often village. And, and, and when you actually see the reality of it and, and, and find out a bit more and get a bit more curious, it, it is totally, totally shocking. And that's something mm-hmm. I feel very strongly about, you know, that you know, no human being should be enslaved in such a way. is absolutely um, horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So there you are. So you, you, you've decided not to become the kind of the Liam Neeson Vigilante, and instead, (laughs) instead you (laughs) decide to 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 set up a company in fashion.
1: (laughs) Well, it makes sense, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) completely. Well, it it does. It it does a lot. I mean, your great love of of, of denim, and 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 yes, I mean the fact that a that there's a lot of 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 trafficking and slavery happens in the fashion industry. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look. Well, look. I think it's. um uh, in hindsight, a a great, a a great way to be able to address these issues. But when we started, um, I can't boast of saying that there was this great strategy behind it. Really what it was, was, you know, I was exposed to this issue and I'll never forget the first moment I saw a, a young girl for sale. Um, it was actually in Thailand and, um, she was obviously very scared and intimidated. And it was a moment that, um, you know, I don't think many people could see that without being moved. Um, I had two nieces at the time, no children of my own back then, and and I just remember thinking, there's there's no end to what I would do for my nieces. I would I would fight for them to for them to never end up in a situation like this. And I wondered where this little girl's dad was, or her uncle, or someone. You know, someone was probably out there looking for her, wondering where she'd ended up. You know, I I, I couldn't fathom it. And and everything you, you you've experienced the Multitude of emotions that go through you when you see something as horrific as that, and walking away from that situation that night, having done nothing for her, it it it's I guess one of those things that continues to drive you whenever you picture her and what what her life might have been like that night. Um, how has it changed? And does, is she even still alive? And yeah. so, you know, she's one of she's one of millions out there that are that are trafficked every day every year in and sold into a range of different industries. And um I guess my desire was to address this issue. And the real issue is probably an economic one. It's it's poverty. It's ma- it's these poor, poor people that are made vulnerable because of desperation uh more often than not. And so it was really clear that if we wanted to help on this issue, then we needed to create opportunities that gave them the tools they needed to be successful in their lives, that take them, but just not just them, their families out of harm's way out of being so vulnerable so that they can be successful and that took that's taken 10 years to now you know of, of working on a business model and failing at it and thinking you've got the answers and realizing that you don't and realizing that the culture you work within in Cambodia is brilliant and that they're amazing people and that they're smart um, and that we often try and impose our western way on them because we just automatically think it's better um so there's been all these things to learn and still haven't learned them just made lots of mistakes along the way, but we have been able to see that that the model we've built over the last ten years is absolutely has the ability to pull somebody out of poverty, um, that they do it themselves, that it's not because of us, it's because of them. and I think that that's what makes this so powerful and um, what excites me about the future is that the end like the, the end could be the end of poverty, the end could be you know the end of trafficking. If businesses, if industries, widely adopted this kind of model, um, what could happen? You know, so it's a really, really exciting future, and you know we're very lucky to be able to work in an industry um, that that creates beauty every day. And then what goes into that product is is just um, these these this absolute um, toil. Over- over a beautiful product that has come from so much love and so much meaning and purpose um, to ending up in a customer's hands that, that loves and cherishes this product, knowing that it gave freedom to somebody, I think is like, what a privilege to be able to work in a job that, that, that does that.
0: I, I mean, amazing. And, I, I, and to wear that. And, and actually, each of your, your, your jeans ha- has a little message, doesn't it, from the person who, 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 who made the product. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah yeah it does i mean in inside our genes there's a range of, of young ladies that um, work um, in producing them that put their hands up wanting to say thank you to the people that buy them you know it's very hard I think for us stuck back here in the West to really understand the realities of what these people face and um but the gratitude that that our staff um A show and wanted to demonstrate through those pocket messages is is amazing. And I think our customers open those jeans and they may or may not have known that that message was there, but discover this message from one of the ladies that made the jeans is it's a really powerful thing and it really starts to connect uh, the two worlds together.
0: Yeah, it's just so amazing. And I, I just think it's such an extraordinary story. I mean, there are you, you know, you love denim because, you you know, you, you wanted to be a cowboy. And I, I mean, you really knew not a lot about fashion, right? <laughs> this was not, you know, there was no fashion college. Can you call
1: that from the conversation? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I just love that, that kind of spirit, you know, of just kind of like, you know, being able to take that on is, is, is just... Just so cool, and I think that you know also I'm lucky enough to have visited cambodia and and, and seen i mean i haven't necessarily gone into the factories, but i 've seen you know the, the the yeah i mean the sheer numbers of all women let's face it you know mm-hmm. who, who are going flooding in and out of the factories a uh, you know and and i mean you know it's it's a huge industry and and most of these women are paid. If at all, I mean, very badly, right? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what's the kind yeah. of average wage of of, 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 of these, these ladies if they get paid one?
1: Yeah, well, look, it really depends on the country you're in. I mean, one of the, the things that has happened for um, Cambodian garment workers is that the government has increased the minimum wages, which are very close to living wages now. So that's a huge improvement that I've seen over the last 10 years. Um, but there's countries where minimum wage is just so far below a living wage that... You know, it's impossible for families to be able to survive off it. And you talk about the women that you see walking, um, you know, going to work, work on their bikes or in the backs of those trucks that look like, yeah. look like cattle trucks. And there's all these ladies there that um, we read stories about having left families, having left infants with family members and having to live to maybe only see them once a year because they have to, to move so far away for work. And we hear these tragic stories, um, which unfortunately exists in most um, of our supply chain um, when we talk about the garment sector. But I think that there's also lots of beauty in it. You know, there is these, these ladies now that have this opportunity to provide for families. You see this sacrifice that mothers are making for their children and their families and um, they're, they're willing to do whatever, which is where they find themselves in these vulnerable positions. Yes, of course I'll move to the city to earn Enough money to make sure that my family can um, have enough food to eat and hey maybe even if I can um, earn enough money they'll get an education um, this is this is why that they they take these risks but often end up being tricked or trafficked into other countries um, you know we've employed uh, people that have been stolen sold into places like Malaysia um, and held in, in horrific um, circumstances um, but I think it just time and time again it, it, it really reminds me of the resilience of these people they haven 't had it easy um, you 've been to cambodia you've you 've seen how many people have been impacted by um, it could be the genocide or it could be uh, the mm-hmm. the landmines that that are impacting so many in Cambodia still to this day mm-hmm. yet yeah, yeah. they 're still strong and they 're still fighting and they 're doing an amazing job and so I think if you want to work in a country, it is a tough country to work in, but it 's full of beautiful people and so there's there is there's still this hope and there 's still this this positive, um, I guess, idea that, that things can change and we see it firsthand that, that it can absolutely change, but it just needs scale. It needs more brands. It needs our brand to grow bigger and others to grow bigger, to be able to take market share. And the more market share we have, the greater the impact because every single product that we create um, is enabling um, this kind of freedom to be created. So it's a, a great, exciting uh, a space for us to be in.
0: No, it's amazing. And, and, I mean, James, how many people do you employ now in, 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 in the business?
1: I think we're at about 110 in Cambodia and we have about okay. 16 here in Australia. So we're still a really small organisation. We produce all our own clothing. Um, and really the stage of business that we're at is it's been about um, piloting something to prove that the concept works. And then how, how does it scale? You know, as, as we employ more people, what does that mean for um, the conditions you know are we able to maintain conditions and still give them an education through coming to work are they still able to go and sit down and learn about finances or languages or women's health and those kinds of things or do you lose that as you scale and you know there are really important parts of the puzzle they're parts that that's what's created the kind of success in this freedom model uh that we've experienced and so um now that we We've we've gotten to a stage where we can see that absolutely. I mean, we've got stories of young ladies being able to do the most extraordinary things, um, like build a home for their family Uh once living under a plastic sheet, but now she is responsible for building a home for them and buying her sister back from somebody that owned her sister. You know, these are stories that you could write a Liam Neeson film about, and they're the everyday realities for millions of people around the world. I think Walk Free Foundation just put out the statistic that one in 130 women on the face of this planet is a slave. It's shocking. So, you know, they're mind-blowing statistics. And so it's, it just further brings home the importance of this kind of business and, um, and how the, the role of business and fashion in particular, um, one in six people on the planet work within the fashion industry at some level. So if you think about wanting to use an industry to create change, fashion is it. Fashion is the most powerful. And and I think denim is the most powerful product in the world, I think even more so than food. I think denim has a very unique ability. It's like, you know, we talk about a song, for example, you know, and it takes you back to a a moment, a a memory. But denim is the same, a beautiful premium pair of jeans. You never want to throw it away because it's like they've absorbed all this history and it's like throwing history away. Um, So if you want to use the dirtiest product within fashion. Uh, fashion being one of the worst explo- exploiting industries in the world. Um what greater way to do it than to to take premium um jeans and 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 put this kind of process behind them.
0: Yeah, I I I I couldn't agree more and I I mean I you know I love my jeans and I, I you know I I I I take my jeans into into my mender and he always looks at me and goes no, you know I've got I've got like a hole. He's looking at me going no, no, you know it's like we have yes. this negotiation. He's like, "Sarah, these are dead," and I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> they're just well, they're well loved, <laughs> you know." <laughs> but but no, I, I I I think it's absolutely right because as, as you point out, I mean, like denim is is probably the worst polluting thing, item piece of clothing you can buy because you know the cotton used to 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 produce it requires so much water the dye I mean maybe you'd like to tell us a little bit about that process because I know you're looking to minimize that as well
1: absolutely yeah well I think that was a bit of a rude realization that we we had um whilst on this journey you know we started because of a throbbing heart for this injustice that we saw happening and then we discovered that the environmental degradation was was absolutely out of control on a whole Mm -hmm. new level and you know. If you had a talk, spoken to me about that right back in the beginning, I would have thought you were a tree-hugging hippie. But honestly, as I, my eyes were open to it and I saw the realities and then the impact that those ecosystems were having on the, the people that lived within them, it was hard to continue to see it in the same way. And so we committed that we would address people and planet together. We know that you can't talk about one without the other. And often what we see in our industry is we, we focus on one to the detriment of the other. And so that's a commitment. What we've made as a brand is that um although our roots are in the humanitarian side of our business we're committed to the environmental as well and that for us looks like using the, the latest and greatest technologies that are developed to be able to reduce the amount of water used in the processing of our denim um we use orga- organic cotton um i'm personally open to any kind of fiber or cotton i love cotton i think it's the best fiber um and even conventionally grown cotton um So it's not about trying to get caught into these um, corners of using the buzzword or what's most popular at the time. What's going to be the best product to create the most impact? That's what we're looking for. And so that means that we're continually innovating and working on solutions. You know, textile waste has been a huge problem that we've got in every country of the world. Just here alone in Australia, 500,000 tons of textile waste ends up in landfill. Wow. So what are we going to do about that? How are we going to address this issue? And so that's when we hear our industry, we talk about slow fashion. Well, I don't believe in slow fashion. I don't believe that that create that's a solution. I believe that that is one of those situations where we address one thing to create a, a, a you know a negative result on the other side. And so yeah,
0: I no, it, it's so right because I mean you know as you said, fashion is a huge employer and yeah. often a, a, a huge employer, particularly of women in marginalized communities. I mean they are the they're Absolutely. already. Struggling with with poverty and and like you know if people if we allow people to fall through the poverty gap you know our planet is never going to rectify itself it has to be done hand in hand you know you you oh, you know you can't have unhealthy very poor people on a healthy planet it just doesn't work I mean you know because you know that that is you know it, it the whole thing becomes extractive and and we have to think of it
1: symbiotically absolutely and I think if if you think about poverty um, usually um, a lack of education goes with that. And so how do you expect an undereducated person to know how to be able to manage the environment that they live within? And so um, there's actually a, 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 some amazing research that's been done by a guy named Kevin Bales um, uh, around the connection between uh, slavery and emissions and how they're actually connected. So it's, it's actually a fascinating uh, conversation for another time, I think. But, um, you know, so our goal is really just to find solutions to these problems. That's what our brand is here to do. And um, we can't do it if we don't have the support of the community. And we've had the most incredible amount of support. Yeah. um, Helping (laughs) us grow as a brand.
0: And, and, and I was going to ask you a bit about that support. I mean, because you've been discovered by, by some pretty amazing, you know, influencers and 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 kind of, you know, so so tell us who who is kind of sporting your jeans. And I seem to remember there was there was a bit of a, a royal visit to Australia where, where, where your jeans were sported as well.
1: Yeah, look, it's been incredible the, the way this has grown. But I think it's not just the celebrities and the influencers, it's it's um the retailers as well. And I, I'll never forget. You know, walking into the, the two best retail department stores in Canada and having their teams want to get behind and back our product that they back it until today. Um, we'd only just launched there and then also signed with our um, department store here in Australia, David Jones. Um, then this, this royal hops off an aeroplane in Dubbo in, in Australia here, uh, wearing our jeans, Meghan Markle. <laughs> And, um, you know, honestly, that just blew up the exposure that our brand had. It was quite an overwhelming and um, surreal experience, actually, Um, just (laughs) to see what someone like her can do to a brand in such a short space of time.
0: And and you ended up directly employing quite a few more people, didn't you, as as a result of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we did. A direct result of her wearing our jeans meant that we employed all of these new staff. And, you know, I think the exciting thing about that is, um, you know, it demonstrates how consumerism can have an immediate impact on the most vulnerable people in our world. And so, you know, when I think about Megan Markle, um, you know, she's, she's somebody who has what she's done for our brand um, couldn't be bought. She gave us exposure Global exposure. I mean, even till until today, um, more often than not, if they're talking about Meghan Markle and her fashion sense, Outland Denim gets mentioned. You know, so it would be tens of millions of dollars of publicity that she's given us, which then directly comes back again to impact um, the people that we're here to employ. And I think also as we we think about this, what it could be at scale too, we go, well, if we're able to prove this with our current number um, and and solidify this model. Um, what happens when we take it into other countries and we set up in other countries and we start doing these these plants, you know, and yeah. you have the, that kind of support and exposure? I think it just makes it very, very easy for people to go, OK, now I can be a part of the solution rather than the problem, because ultimately, I think we all want to align with brands that um, represent our personal values. And it's actually very difficult to find brands that do align with our personal values.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And 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 you know, because supply chains are so non-transparent. And and you know, I, I've always kind of, you know, longed, you know, that it's you know, a bit like food labeling. We have the same in kind of fashion, but a bit more detailed. So like, you know, really as, as you do on your product, like who made this product? <laughs> what conditions were they living in? Exactly. You know, then I've got to guarantee, you know, that this was thoughtfully made that everything was offset that could be offset, you know what I mean? You know, that's the kind yeah. of clothes I want to wear because then, you know, I'll, I'll feel good about that and that I've actually kind of helped people rather than sort of, yeah, I don't know, um, you know, I, I, I really want to know that. And, 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 I, and I think that's, that's so amazing, you know, that, that, that you do that. But I, you know, I think maybe it's something we should call for, you know, some kind of like fashion labeling, you know, that just, you know, needs to happen yeah. in the industry.
1: That's right. I agree. But look, I think it's um it's a work in progress too. You know, like nobody's ever going to be able to claim to be perfect. And and we're we're also in the same boat as that. You know, when you think about a supply chain, you think it's an ever-changing target. And so it's not about going, there is no exploitation in a supply chain. It's actually about trying to identify exploitation in a supply chain. And it's a very different way about thinking through that process. And you know, we've experienced um, you know, piloting a new program um, that, that does exactly that. It goes and looks for exploitation within supply chain, right back to its earlier stages of growing the. And, and harvesting cotton. Yeah,
0: because so, cotton you know, I, I, growing I, I, in itself, is, I think cotton is up there with, with sugar cane in terms of actually having kind of slave labour in the actual growing of of, of the product because it, it's an extremely difficult product to 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 grow and then pick, isn't it? You know, and a lot of it's done by hand.
1: It is. Yeah, it's, a lot of it's done by hand. Obviously, there's, there's machines that can pick and harvest. Um, here in Australia, that's, that's all it's done. There's no hand-picking done here anymore, but... But look, I think when we think about this, we got to also have a really a, a holistic approach to, you know, how do we address it, and what does the future need to look like uh, in these countries that are developing? And so, um, if we were to just take away that resource, so kind of like what we see a lot of at the moment, this cancel culture, where we see something we don't like, so we we just cut it off, and I don't think that's entirely healthy either. Obviously, there's situations where that needs to happen. Um, but more, I think it's about if you can identify again those values within a brand or a company or a business that you want to align with, um, it, it then provides great opportunity for that brand business to continue to evolve and develop um, things like supply chain transparency methods. You know, I mean, that's something we're personally working on here: is um, beginning to end solutions that avoid the certification and audit process. Um, or as we know that today, because as we know that, that's also a big problem. There's a lot of corruption within it. They're just businesses that are running. Lots of them do a good job, but many do a terrible job. How do we give that transparency? How do we give you as a customer the, the confidence that we are doing everything we can to better the lives of everybody that's involved in our supply chain and to better the planet, not just reduce the impact on the planet, but who's working toward making it better? And I think that that's the difference that we need to see not just reduction, but actually improvement.
0: Yeah, regenerative fashion. No, I, I, I'm, I'm like all over. I, I, I absolutely, I, I, I think that's wonderful. So James, I think we're at the point of, of, of you and I could talk all, all day, I think, <laughs> all, all night, your time. Um, but, but um, you know, for those people who do want to start somewhere, you know, and, and they are concerned, you know, what can they do to, to start? What are your kind of top tips and advice to them?
1: Look, I think, I think um, one of the lies we're fed growing up as, as kids is that um, you can't fail or you shouldn't fail and, or that failure is failure. Um, but I think the greatest thing that I've learned to date or one of would be that um, you must fail to succeed. Mm-hmm. Failure is necessary. Um, it, it's what forges better character, um, more humility. Uh, it's 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 a really important part of any recipe, and I think if you were to look up um, what we would classify as successful people in our modern day, uh, you would probably see that there was a lot of failure. I mean, I remember hearing stories about Walt Disney and uh, and the uh, the challenges that he faced in setting his his business, what is now an empire up, um, and the the ability that he had to just believe beyond. The circumstances that he saw in front of him, and I think that that's the next thing is it's it's you're going to fail, Um, that's inevitable. But do you believe enough in what it is that you're doing that makes the fight worth having? You know that makes those you know moments of getting kicked in the backside worth it. You know it's it's um, digging digging, deep, allowing to that to.
0: Yeah, and I'm reminded of Edison. I think he, 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 it took him a 1,000 goes <laughs> before yeah. he created the light. Yeah. And, I mean, he had such an amazing yeah. attitude, which he found each of those failures kind of helpful because it narrowed down his options and it helped his thinking. Yeah. And, and I yeah. mean, like, wow. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's absolutely. Like, <laughs> what, a, what a mindset. I mean, that's extraordinary. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, we, we kind of are sold the lie of that things – should be, or that we deserve them to be easy, and that life should be a certain way. And you know, the valuable things in life are often somehow sold to us as being materialistic. And I just don't believe that. I I, I believe that you know we can use those things to enjoy our life or enhance our life, absolutely. But you know, the the real beauty comes out of meaningful and purposeful lives, and and that's had by you know not just having it easy. It's made by it. having it tough, you know, the, the juxtapose of life, isn't it? It's yeah. It's important yeah. for us all to experience.
0: Yeah. And how much more do we appreciate kind of our successes when they come around, you know, I mean, really, you Absolutely, know, they've they, yeah. they become big victories which, yeah. which should be celebrated. Let's face it. And, and also I think as you, as you so rightly kind of point out, like, you know, what is the definition of success? I mean, I think in, in recent years, it's been very much a materialistic one, but, you know, you can be sitting on a pile of money having, you know, done some terrible things in the world or, or, or not, but but not feel very happy. And, and, and when you have a purpose and, and a mission that lights you up, which is, you know, more often than not in service to others, I mean, that's entirely transformative for, for, for you and for everyone around you. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think is, um just trying to invest invest back into, I guess the world, you know, we're we're all taking, um, which is which is okay. Um, but how do we invest back into it? Well, how do we leave it better than when we came here? And um, you know, that's going to be different for all of us in how we achieve that. But that's that's ultimately what we need to be doing.
0: Yeah, James. Oh wow, what an amazing chat! Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been so oh, so
1: good to see you. Thank um, you.
0: And and if people want to find more about Acton Denim, where where do
1: they go? They can visit our website, which is just outlandenim.com or wherever you are in the world. It might be .uk or, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, visit us there. But Instagram, we've got a um, an Instagram account and obviously all the social media handles. And um, we'd love to talk to you. You know, we're, we're happy to, you know, help others that are on the journey too. We often um, have other brands that are reaching out and um, that's part of our goal is to just further the industry, help the industry move forward. Um, you know, we think that we are that industry that can lead the charge of all industries on climate change um, and on the social injustice that um, we're all very well aware of exists now.
0: Yeah, for sure, because, I mean, the fashion industry covers every one of the global goals and and I, you know, I really, you know, really would would, would like on a mission to to really make fashionable you know sustainable purposeful clothing you know really commonplace because I feel that you know that, that, that this industry has such brilliance and 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 people with such big hearts who are so creative you know like you and and I feel that you know, i'm so excited that you know if we all embrace it together we can create a huge amount of positive change in the world.
1: Well, I think you've already succeeded. I think it is absolutely becoming the thing to do um, is to be a part of this movement. Um, and, you know, to the extent where people walk into a room now and often somebody will apologize to me for wearing um, an item of clothing that we might all know as being an unethical item. And um, I find that quite um, fascinating that, that people feel like that um, without being provoked. And so what that's saying is that things are shifting, people's values are Uh, are starting to align with what their purchasing behavior is. And so the future does look very hopeful
0: yes it it does and, and and a reminder to all our listeners that your purpose is in your pocket and and in this case your purpose is your pocket so uh, <laughs> so um, so really you know uh you know choose choose wisely and 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 uh, enjoy your fashion when you do buy it james thank you very very much for joining us take care
1: you too thank you